Yes, and we are recording. All right. And this time on The Delve, we are talking about the 1988 uh, cyberpunk uh, anime film based on the manga by Katsuhiro Otomo and written and directed by Katsuhiro Otomo, uh, known as Akira, also known as the Katan of anime. They've decided that Katan is the Akira of anime. Katan is the... Katana the Akira of board games. Yeah, I buy that. It's like that entry level and we're like, thing, and everyone has seen that. That makes you know. See, I especially buy it for reasons. I will take your analogy further and say that once that you once you've witnessed Akira and realized you like that stuff, you should move on. I I disagree. I think you can watch Akira about every year or so. I I rewatched this and was visually constantly impressed and I don't think some of the detail work in this has not been matched too heavily really now I, I, I go with your analogy further okay you like it's like when people come to you and say oh I, I play Katana all the time I'm like well that's adorable let's move on to something else I I don't like don't get me wrong I absolutely did not dislike the movie I'm just I'm not impressed, and it gets a lot of, present company included, it gets a lot of strong logs and laurels. And I'm like, okay, well, we're, we're in 2015, and I've seen better. I, I honestly don't think I've seen, like, there is... I just, I wasn't that impressed with the animation quality. Like, to me, this is still in the top ten anime films of all time. I mean, maybe I need to see, like, a Blu-ray of it or something, but... Maybe, maybe, maybe I need to give you the Blu-ray, because clearly, uh... But just the, the the file I had, I wasn't that impressed. Like the detail work on this, I think is really good. I think it's, it's unparalleled. Yes. But let's actually go into the, uh, the story and the film. Sure. The, the, before speaking of vagaries. Sure. The story, which was not again not that impressive. <laughs> it's a weak story. It's it's a condensed story. I think the manga is stronger. I think everyone should read the manga as well. I buy that. That's from what I from what I've read, they they kind of like took out the, the second half of the manga. It's a yeah, it's a, it's a long six volume series, like pretty large books. You can get them for uh, you know, or all at all better uh, booksellers. Took a loss, huh? Well, it took a loss in Japan, but I don't think it's taken a loss here because it has been, you know, more or less consistently in print. All right, so we we are post World War Three. Yes. Which was initiated by a psychic explosion. Oh, going into the film, you don't know. It looks just like a normal, right? Normal nuclear attack. And we we know we're in Neo Tokyo. Yes, yeah. Again, so, we never been in Neo Tokyo before. We been in Neo Japan. We didn't have a Neo Tokyo Gundam. No, really, Neo Japan. I figured we had a Neo Tokyo Gundam. No, okay. Tokyo's a city. So, but they they always they I, I would have bought it. Okay. You could have bought... But they never said the phrase Neo-Tokyo in G-Gundam. Yeah. Okay. You are, like, super defensive because I don't like this movie. That's true, because <laughs> you're living in, in the wrong universe, clearly. You're in some sort of darker, sadder world for not liking Akira. I didn't... Oh, God. How Just because I'm not, like, jerking off over it. Yes, because you are not, like, gushing over the film. I thought it was alright. I'm not absolutely not going to gush over it. And I don't see anything that happened that would make me gush over it. It was an alright film. In any case, 
um, were in 2019 in Neo Tokyo. It's a very uh, it's it's dystopian. I would I would go I'd say cyberpunk and, and with that the, the the full extent of what that we may overuse dystopian. Yeah, well, I think we, we I think you know anyway we used the phrase dystopian in 1988 uh, last time talking about uh, they live. Yeah, and we were we were criticized for that. But that well I I don't I disagree with Mr. Sizemore's uh I, I opinions there. I concur. But in any case, um, and we have our biker gang. Our friendly biker gang. Yes. Which are the capsules? That's what they're. Uh, that's what the Wikipedia. I don't. I'm, think I'm referencing the Wikipedia. I don't remember them. They don't have. An, I don't think they have a name. Yeah, sort of the, are they pulling that from the manga? Maybe. Probably. Yeah. And they have a rival gang that they fight. Yeah, that's like the clowns. And the basic story is that you find out eventually that a being, a evolved human, named Akira, caused the destruction of the original Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Which is why we have Neo Tokyo. Yes, and he was subdued. It's a little. Like, I think. I think that he he like after that he was sort of contained. Right after that initial explosion. So we're always on alert for these psychic beings. We have the government has some, and um, we find out pretty quickly that one of the bikers Tetsuo. Is a is a, a psychic on par, or like they suspect on par with Akira. The, yeah, he resonates as sort of the same, the same kind of power. power yeah. yeah. And this is basically the story of that being dealt with. And I wasn't kidding on Twitter. It felt like I had shades of Clockwork Orange and shades of the outside. I didn't see Clockwork Orange nearly as strongly. I see it has similar themes, but I don't think it has similar. Oh, I'm saying shades. Styles. More, not even. Themes to me so much is just um, instances like the random brutality of the gangs and that kind of thing. Like just the random violence. Um, some of like the the scene after Tetsuo escapes the first time takes his girlfriend and steals the uh, who what is it Kamita Kamito Canada Kamada his bike. And runs off and gets overtaken by the gang. That struck me like that scene felt very Clockwork Orange. It, I don't know. I feel like Clockwork Orange has a much more surrealism to it. When you look at the way they do that violence in that film, this seems less surreal and more more realistic, even though it's animation. Well, I didn't feel that there was anything unrealistic about the violence of Clockwork Orange. But it, the way they always presented it, they always had a surreal framing and a surreal visual. It was definitely visual. meaningless. Yes. But a lot of this... Felt meaningless too. Like we weren't really presented with a reason that these gangs hate each other or do this violence. Yeah, that, it felt like senseless violence. But I think there's a different. It didn't feel the same stylistically to me. I just it felt to me that that particular scene, especially like Red Clockwork Orange. But um, and then you know I think the Outsiders is just it's it's very low, but I, it's still there like the group of men like that. I, I see the Outsiders more than I saw Clockwork Orange when you made that when you made that comparison. And I'm like saying shades. I'm not saying mm-hmm. the movie's a direct correlation. No. I'm just saying it had. Tons. There are themes and elements that yeah. they share, but but this is obvious. Like it's a it's very cyberpunk. Yeah, this but is a, they they tone it down a little. It's not as cyberpunk as it could be. It, it, it's cyberpunk with, like, that weird, like, psychic power thing that... It's burgeoning cyberpunk. You know, you don't have a lot of 
implants or computers. You have some souped-up bikes. Well, I mean, this is, you know, 2019, mm-hmm. so we're not... It's early. Time. Even then. it's Yeah, it's even from when it was made. It's only... It's still... And they don't really... Like, this is the first movie I've seen where I'm like, their portrayal of 2019 is probably going to be pretty close. It's... Yeah. Well, the weird thing is, guess where the Olympics are in 2020? Yeah. Tokyo. And did they have the right number, even? Uh, probably. It's, you could look at you could they could look that up when they made the movie. Apparently, it's supposed to be the thirty second Olympic Games. Maybe there's that doesn't sound right because I don't know how often twenty twenty no the twenty twenty Summer Olympics in Tokyo. Let's see. It's, I don't know how many of them are there. Twenty twenty multi sport. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they probably have that detail close. Because the Olympics really only started in the late 1800s. Like, it's, it's a newer concept. Yeah, there's the 32nd Olympiad. There you go. So, yeah. That's kind of cool. Yeah, that's one of those weird um, sort of, you know, reality mirroring history. Now, that's not, like, if you go into this movie... Not looking for a deep plot, just looking for a story to be told. You'll go in there much more likely to enjoy what's going on. It's not a heavy plot, but I think there is a good anti-government or like government, like scary nationalism story going on in this. There is that, but there's also they're almost justifying it because these are like Tokyo gets destroyed like twice, like. There is a founding to the fear that's being held here. These beings are causing a ruckus. But it, uh, even if it is justified, sort of, there are always other ways in my mind than just to go the sort of... No, absolutely. Like, they're, they're like, only creating their own enemy. Yeah, like, sort of like this extreme security, this extreme nationalism. The, the controlled by drugs and that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean... Oh, this, is all, this is all true. But at the same time, you get that feeling like where they, how else are they going to, like, how are they going to control these beings? These beings, like, they've already destroyed Tokyo once. By the end of the movie, twice. <laughs> and this is a problem. Well, there's, there, there's that level of control, but then there's also the, the societal controls mm. that have come along with the rebuilding mm. of Tokyo. Which I guess is where you're you're getting like we get like the biker gangs and this the the, the, this, the, the weird religious cults. Sure. Yeah, there's other there's all this other weird societal stuff going on because of this rebuilding. And I think that like that Olympic thing of mirroring, you know, successful rebuilding mirrors the 1964 Tokyo Olympics mm. after they had rebuilt right after World War Two to enough to have a. You know, an Olympic Games in 64 after having been, you know, the only country to hit with a nuclear weapon mm-hmm. less than 20 years earlier. I did enjoy the, uh, I thought this, the, the psychic abilities were well portrayed. You know, I, like I said, I think that this is, to me, like, looking at it now, some of the shots, and like the, particularly the, the scene when Tetsuo's in the hospital, that weird scanning device, all the little bits of movement in that animation... Mm-hmm. Just you don't see that, like you mentioned Redline, but that's one film. Like I don't see too many other films pushing animation that often. 
No, I'd, I'd have to go back through, but I, I think in the course of things, we if we don't steer towards the ridiculously bad, we steer towards the ridiculously good. And there have been things that we've reviewed that easily overshadow this. I don't, I don't know if I agree with that. I was like, I was still visually impressed with a lot of the cityscapes and a lot of the visuals of this film going into it. And I think that the animation, of this, the the detail animation, of this holds up. Like character animation, not as much, but sort of the mechanical and the and the camera work hold up to like Ghost in the Shell and, and Redline, sort of being you know, again, two of the later films that have can compete with this. Like, this to me still holds up in top ten anime films of all time. Uh, I, I think that the majority of the populace agree with you. And I don't have enough experience to really fill in those ten, so. But I suspect I disagree. Although I will say for 1988, and for what it is, and for what it portrayed, and for what it did... For just, like, being as popular as it was in America. I think that it cannot... You can't discount its historical import. Oh, yeah, no, like, if... Like, if I were... Like, to watch this in its time would have been a completely different experience. There is... Before this, there's almost nothing that can touch this. Undoubtedly. Like, if I had watched this in 1988... Uh, well, I shouldn't have, because I was too young, but... Yeah, it would have been nine. <laughs> but in any case, like, if I had been on an appropriate age in 88 watching this, my opinion would be completely drastically different. I just don't, I'm not allowing its historical import to affect my perception of it. Like, I, I, I am honestly... And I don't think you are either, because yeah. you didn't watch it then. But. Yeah, I mean, I've watched it before this, but I'm still like, like you, I'm usually good at, you know, dissociating time and like this is one of those i'm like honestly trying to see what see like what parts of the animation were not particular i didn't just and it might like i said it might be the maybe the copy i had where it was just it was it didn't feel that detailed to me it felt the only word that's coming in my brain is grainy and that's not true but there just wasn't. There is some grain. I'll admit this on the Blu-ray. I'm like, that's that's interesting because it's, it's a rematch. That means that the film stock has been aged and damaged over time. But that said, I mean, I'd like to see the Blu-ray at some point just to to yeah. verify how I'm feeling about it. But like, like I said, just just watching it straight, it, it didn't strike me as amazing. It's straight, like for its time, absolutely. Nothing can touch it, but I think other things have come out that are imp- just as impressive now. I I don't I honestly don't. That's okay. You're I know I'm to. I'm trying to like word this right. I think there are films that compete with it and are are on the same level. Like we're talking again, things like uh, storytelling with like, actresses is a far better storytelling. I think Redline can compete well, with it as far as storytelling goes. Storytelling is, is this is not a yeah it's not a great storytelling. It, it is a. No, fun's not the right word, but it's a... It's a, it's a it's strong a, action film. It's a strong action film, absolutely. And that's really worth folks. Uh, it's not a good detailed plot. There's not a lot of depth to it. But it is absolutely a strong action film. No question. And 
that's you know we're well enough to like it. Maybe we should maybe we should head up if we we put in our our panel request and we do Akira and we do Evangelion and just really just really tear the place down. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there are those new AU movies that are available now. God, please, no. <laughs> There's three of them. The fourth one's delayed indefinitely. Thank Christ. That's because he's making a Godzilla film in the meantime. Is he? Yeah. Hideki Anno's doing the new uh, Godzilla film coming out next year. Do we think it's going to be better? Uh, I think it's going to be better than the... It, it can't be worse than the 2014 film. Is it disenfranchised from the 2014 film? It's a separate storytelling universe. I think they're going to be doing, like, two lines simultaneously. Okay. There's going to be an American line and a Japanese line running simultaneously, which is going to be interesting to see. We're going to get another Pacific Rim, though, right? Uh, maybe. I'll, I will believe New Pacific Rim when we when they announce, like, its filming and the production materials, because really, that, that film bombed hard. We'll see. Like, a lot... Studios seem to be more willing to accept the cult hits than they used to be, so it just depends on how much of a cult favorite it is. But it takes a long time for the. It, there's usually a decent delay. I don't know. We got like it's a different. It's a different situation, but you get stuff like Firefly and Farscape within a few years. Farscape has it. Well, it had that remake. It had the movie. Was that ever theatrical though? Um, no, it wasn't theatrical. Yeah, I mean, TV is a little bit of a different beast, but... Absolutely, no question. But I, I'm just saying that there's a little more tendency to acknowledge. I gotta, I, it, but also, uh, damn, Serenity had the backing of the the, the show of the, how the sales were on DVD. Right, and like, that's what I'm saying. The only way they could see that it was a cult favorite is by like Blu-ray sales. Yeah, I mean... I, I don't think that's happening. I don't think it is. I don't think like international sales have done well enough. If, if it was happening, we wouldn't be seeing like ten dollars copies of Pacific. Like, given that it's sh- like Warner Brothers has, has given up the rights to it and we're going to go to other studios. Oh, have they Yeah. So that that alone is like maybe if, you know someone is crazy or you know has a billion dollars sitting around. Um, because it's a two hundred million dollar film to make a sequel to that. I want to pause really quick. Okay. Because you just brought something to mind. Just so we can say it officially while someone is listening. Um, we both went to see Star Wars. Yes. We both enjoyed it. And that's the last you'll hear on the podcast for at least six months to a year about it. We'll probably at least bring it up again during end of the year. Sure. Well, we'll bring it up. I I don't know. I bring it up next year. Okay. Because I, I, I feel like it's too close and I definitely don't want to risk any kind of spoilers. I know a lot of the crowd that listens to us has very strong opinions. They've probably already seen it by now, but I don't want to... Well, again, the, the Americans have never come together like not, not spoiling Star Wars before this. Whereas I knew 85% of the script before I went to the yeah, theater. Yeah, I, I avoided <laughs> any tie-ins, anything. But in any case, I don't want anyone to be worried. You're safe with us. Now back to Vinny not understanding how I can't love Akira and want to marry it. Like I, I it is one of those like, like I, I am like so blown away by the animation at some point. And just some of the tracking shots, the padding shots, and, like that cityscape at the beginning was so beautiful on those buildings. Like I would fucking frame that on my wall if I could afford that background. Chilling out future Christmases. Like again, I don't think the character animation is that good, but some of like the mechanical stuff I think is. Unpar- is literally unparalleled. Uh, 
again, I, I don't think it's bad, but I, I disagree with the unparalleled. I, I think it has been paralleled. I, I don't think, think it has. I think it's been matched. And I'd have to really go back through our our ography. Yeah, like, like I honestly would love to see you do Fine Tooth Comb, because this is one of those, like, Vinny's brain is, like, trying to p- puzzle pieces together. We've, we've watched so many just beautifully animated things. Just gorgeous. And I'm not even thinking about Redline. Just, like, we've watched so much stuff. Like I said, if we don't go to the ridiculously bad, we go to the ridiculously good. Yes, and I, I and for me, this falls into that, like, ridiculously good line of, like... I believe it belongs to the Dell. I believe it has historical import. And I, I believe it is a well-done movie. But I am not wowed by it, and frankly... The enthusiasm with which it's reflected does nothing but turn me off. It's just the same reason why my partner didn't read Harry Potter for, like, years. Because, like, everyone, like, your age lived, breathed, and died Harry Potter. And well, yeah. It's just a bit of a turn off. And I fully admit that there's probably a little of that happening here where I can't help but see it in a more critical point of view because no one else seems willing to. Well, you know. <laughs> the light shines upon some of us, and some of us have to live in a cloud of darkness and sadness for, for all eternity, clearly. So, mode it be. Sorry about that. Last Christmas break, it got delivered. <laughs> Excellent. Um, in any case. Um, was there anything else that you, you know, will dream about tonight about this movie that you'd like to mention? I said, I think I've brought up the, you know, the, the final scene is the, oh my god, the mechanical animation of this is like, the, in the it, final it, it, arc it. when his, when his, the hand moving, it's so fucking detailed. It was impressive. <sighs> Fourth time like, especially. Would we like to talk about the, um... The idea that it seems very likely that we're going to get a live-action American film. I, I will believe it when I see production material and it is filming. Yeah, yeah, I got to. Yeah, that rule is one of those. Until it is in production, I will not believe it is happening. I I agree that sometimes you gotta you gotta be careful about this stuff, but it, it seems likely that some form of this will happen. I mean, I know a Nolan is attached to it, but again, like... Nolan is helping out, and I don't consider that a well-defined. I'm more impressed that the, um... Uh, Marco Ramirez, is one of the showrunners for Daredevil, is going to write it. Like, is committed to writing it. That's more impressive to me, because, like, he exists, he's here, he's now, and he's, like, in a real position instead of, oh yeah, he's helping out. It's one of those you can have as many scripts as you want until you're you're, you're filming. It doesn't exist. I, I I'm not discounting yeah. that. I just I think it's I think it's looking more and more likely, and I think it is actually a really it would be a really good movie to get into American cinema. I think I think you know it could it could it could work, and I mean I think that's one of those things. that's kind of kind of weird though because. At this point, so much stuff has been influenced by Akira. Like, if you watched Batman Beyond, that first episode has, like, shot-for-shot remakes of this film. Okay. With the Jokers on bikes, like, 
very clearly direct referencing. Uh, the movie Chronicle has some direct references. It's sort of one of these weird things that... Do you think that had direct referencing or merely that it was using... No, like, you can characters. find, like, interviews. Okay. Where they even, like, say, no, 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 we were... Oh, this is an homage in some ways to Akira. Okay, because I hesitate to really... Like, I suppose in a way I can see it, but, like, I hesitate to attribute anything that uses, like, psychic characters to Akira. That's, it's not like it's the first thing to ever consider that. I, I'm usually pretty hesitant towards attributing uh, reference and homage. I guess that's if, if the fucking director's yeah, like, I'm, no, it's Akira! But if I can find, like, a textual, like... Sure. Something that, like, yeah, I'll let say uh, a point of. And I suppose remembering what I remember about Chronicle, I, I would say I can kind of see that because you have that, like, the power always goes to a character's head, mm-hmm. and in this case, Tetsuo, yep. it goes completely to his head. Yeah, right. and he was an interesting character, and I I felt it was really like the protagonist didn't do. Do we, do we, should, we, should we talk about that? Because it's, it's an interesting interaction between those two characters that I don't... You don't see that too often. Sure, like, you feel that Tetsuo is almost a protagonist, but then he quickly becomes not. Yeah. And then you have... Who like, is it? The you Tetsuo have, Kaneda. Right, you have Kaneda, who's really kind of your protagonist, but he's kind of a dick. And he doesn't really do that many... Well, he's, he's the closest you have to a protagonist. Right, and I wouldn't call him Because, I mean, Tetsuo becomes the... Threat. Right. And because he, he's not the antagonist. No, if anything, I the think government. The, the, the government, antagonist. and particularly personified by the colonel, mm-hmm. is the antagonist for most of the film. And you have Canada, who's who is a shades of a protagonist, but yeah. really doesn't do enough in the movie. But he ends up being ineffectual, which is sort of a yeah. Yeah, he's completely outclassed by what's going on. Well, because he's just some guy with a bike and a you know, rocket launcher by the end. Right, which is hysterically good. Like, I love that part of it where it's just like, there's no heroes, there's no one who can really do anything. Yeah, and, and you're fighting, like, universe-creating powers. Right, literally. Yeah, like, the, the film ends with a universe being born. Uh-huh. And so, like, really, at the end of the day, who we were taught should be the antagonist for the movie. Akira becomes our protagonist. Yeah, well, it, it, well it, it, Akira's is, like, unnamed or, like, undescribed entity, really. Right. Because you don't get ever get a good description of Akira. No, but Akira becomes our protagonist. Yes. It protects things. Uh, it's somewhat. It also results in the destruction of Tokyo. But well, destruction of Tokyo to save the universe. I think it's a fair price. I'm, I don't know. Although... I mean, would the people in Tokyo agree? Well, that's a, that's, that's a very Machiavellian answer for me, if ever there was one. Fair enough. But no, I thought that was clever. I, I thought that the plot of moments were clever. I thought that it was great. It was a good action movie. Yeah. There's no argument there. And I think the nuance is lost in the tradition from book to film. Yeah? If you're taking six books into one like two-hour movie. How long ago did you uh, read the book? I read the book maybe five years ago now. It's been a while. But there's quite a bit more meat on there. Hmm. Okay. And those books are all available from Kodansha USA, and the film is available from Funimation. And I think, that obviously, we both, if you haven't seen it, recommend you see it for different reasons. I mean, I do think that stylistically, especially for 88, it's, it is groundbreaking. There's no question. I also think that you would be a fool to discount its historical import. I mean, this is... As far as I'm aware, one of the first real 
things that it came to America and all of a sudden we were checking out anime from the rental stores. Well, th- this this is, I mean, where the... So, in the 70s and 80s, you had a lot of TV stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, you have Star Blazers and Robotech and Voltron. And, right. And those are, you know, comparably mature storytelling from American Tales, from, like, a lot of cartoons of the time period. But this is sort of the big importation, import of films. This, uh, like, Lupin the Third, Castle Had the Ostro, mm-hmm. was that big streamlined video uh, push. Well, I guess from my point of view, this is something... I heard of Akira. Yeah, like, like again, in Podunk, Indiana. Again, like when I when I said that this, you know, was the Catan, that that works because like everyone knew about Akira and it was on TV constantly. Now, admittedly, I, I thought I had seen part of Akira, but I think at the end I'm going to recognize I had seen part of Ghost in the Shell. <laughs> well, you've seen. Go. Well, we, we were done Ghost in the Shell. Yeah. So I believe that that's what I had seen when I was a kid. It's pro- it's pro- it makes sense. Those two were kind of everywhere at the time. But so yes, if for nothing else, you have to like you have to watch it. If like just this came out in 1988, you can't see this and not be impressed by that. Um, it's definitely something that if you haven't seen, you just have to watch. There's no question, no arguments. If you're listening to us and are like, nah, I don't feel it. I don't know why you listen to us. Then. If you haven't seen it and you listen to this and you're listening to and you are a regular listener of this show, I'm relatively surprised. Because this is again, this is like you know, the people who have seen Blade Runner and this are probably like you know maybe like ten people who haven't seen both on the entire planet. So let's let's take a poll. Who's the first person to call me out on this? Um, I'm gonna go Ed Sizemore. I was thinking your father. Nah, he he he's in delayed recently. If you if you have that's his time. Yeah. Ed Sizemore. Uh, I'm wondering if like he swings and agree with you somehow because <laughs> he he can he can throw a curveball pretty you know. Sometimes we uh we he, pair up our lines. He throws curve he throws curveballs <laughs> at me some days that I, I don't expect. <laughs> I I your reactions when we are dissonantly opposed just are hilarious because it makes for the most awkward podcast we do. It does. I think the last time this happened was um, Gross Point Blank. Probably. You just, like hated it and you couldn't understand why I loved it. <laughs> like sometimes like I can see why someone doesn't like something but it's one of those like sometimes I can't. Like the or the like diametric opposition. And like I said I don't hate it. I'm just not that impressed by it and it turns me off how much people are. It's okay so so society, this is this is Vinny talking. We need to stop talking about Akira for the next five years. And then we'll rewatch it and we'll see what's going on. Yes, no one can talk about it now. <laughs> but in any case, what's our next delve? Uh, next up, we are finishing up the Satoshi Kon uh, oeuvre with his uh, final film, uh, Paprika, which I've never heard of. Uh, well, that's because Satoshi Kon never really hit too big outside of. Uh, Anime film snobs. But usually, like, the stuff on the delve list, I'll recognize. The anime stuff, not so much, though. I mean, sometimes that's because I'll pull out some weird crap. I don't know. Like, I'll, like, I, like usually, I recognize it. You might know it as paprika, not paprika. <laughs> like the spice. That's a 2006 film? Uh, 2006. Yeah, 2006. 
I wanted to say 2009, but clearly not. Paprika! Oh, I can't spell it right. <laughs> I spelled don't, it right once. Don't you have, a, like, a year of culinary school where you have to, like, learn to spell all the spices? We don't learn how to spell them. We learn how to cook them. That would be great. The first test! It's going to be a spelling test. I will say words and you must spell it correctly. No. Tarragon. The first thing you learn, and you learn it for a good two months, is how to cut things. That's important. And how to protect the things that cut things. That uh, I feel like that's actually really important to cutting things right. It is absolutely, because if there's one thing you have to do as a, as a chef, you have to cut in uniform. Yeah. Everything has to look the same, which I hate. <laughs> but even not that, but like for cooking purposes, you want things about the same size and cook evenly. Yeah, but like that's it's more about the aesthetics. Yeah, well, at that size. At that, well, if you're going to be a chef, yeah, it is about aesthetics. If you're serving like your family, and you have to do well at it because that's what you're going to do once you graduate. You're going to do that for the next decade. Yeah, just, just chop things. Yes, and you will become so good at it. So good at the chopping. No, first day is, is a spelling test on spices. I'm sure. All right, so next time in the new year, we will be reviewing Paprika. Yes. The spice and the movie.